This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen, amen. We are here to be changed. However God wants to do that, we surrender and we yield to Him. Amen. Since we have been learning that He is our Father. First of all, He is King. We've been seeing that in Matthew, that He is King. And being a part of the kingdom means that you need to, you need to adhere to, you need to heed to the King. Amen. And then we've been hearing that He is Father. And we're going to hear some more about that tonight. He is Father. But even our fathers have an expectation of us, right? As children, there's an expectation that the Father has. And so we've been learning, we've been learning about that. And again, we are, are Matthew chapter 7, and you can turn there. Matthew chapter 7 is the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, and this is what we have been dealing with over the, the, uh, the past few weeks. Um, and so we're, we're coming to a close. We're coming quickly to a, a close um, and I can see you know <laughs> in studying this I had a whole ch- I had the whole chapter and I see I mean you know I'm, I knew it before you know I had a but I can see how our founding pastor how he spent three I mean like three or four Wednesdays or Sundays or whatever on on one or two verses I mean I it, it, you can easily do that. You can, I don't have that kind of time, but you can easily do that. And so, so I, you know, I'm having to make some adjustments. And I want you to tune in. I, I'm, uh, some of this I'm, I'm going to kind of glean over, but I'm going to encourage you uh, to in October. So the month of October is coming up, and we'll be doing some some other teachings that you don't want to miss. You don't want to miss those teachings, and we're so excited about that. So, but, but my part is going to be to cover some of this that I'm just going to glean over um, uh, for, the, for the remainder, the duration of, of the time that I have. So uh, tune in in October, the whole month of October, Sundays and Wednesdays, Sundays and Wednesdays for the whole month of October, and I guarantee you that you will be blessed. So by the way, by way of, of some review before we uh, get into our new information, um, Matthew chapter 7, let's just start reading. We're just going to read uh, up, to, up until the point where, where we need to be. So judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of, out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under feet, and turn again and rend you. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And verse 8 is where we're going to 
to pick up tonight uh, as we as we push forward in this teaching. And so what I I just want to to just for continuation of thought, uh, we were talking about asking and receiving. We were giving guidelines for receiving. We talked about seeking and then we gave, gave guidelines for finding. And then we were talking about knocking and we gave guidelines for the door to be open. And we told you that if you would use those guidelines, and I don't have time to go through those, so if you, if you want to, to, if you have not been here and you need to go back and to review, uh, be sure that you do the, the last two or three Wednesdays um, so that you can get a, a better understanding of those. Um, because the guidelines are already laid out, so we, we, don't, we don't have time to go back through that. But you need to do that if you have questions or if you have not been tuning in. So at verse 8, for everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be open. What I want you to see here, this is, is, remember, this is our Father. This is the King, number one. The King is talking on the Sermon on the Mount. That's very important to understand. And as I said, if the King is talking and He is, He is over the kingdom, we're talking about, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, part of the Sermon on the Mount at the very beginning was talking about how you can enter into the kingdom. And He's going to talk about it some more in this last chapter. If the king is telling you how to enter into his kingdom, you better listen. That's all I got to say. If the king is, the king is, it's, you know, it's not like it's one of the servants telling you how to get in. It's not a servant that's telling you. It's the king himself. And the king himself is telling you how you are able to enter into his kingdom, into the kingdom of heaven. So we need to listen up. We need to listen. We need to listen good. We need to take heed. We need to hear, take heed, obey, and conform to whatever the king is saying. Because he already, he holds the keys to the kingdom. And if he's giving you access to the kingdom through these teachings and by these guidelines, I mean, you know, what, what else? I mean, what, what else do you want? The king is giving, you know, really, listen. Listen, I don't know of any kingdom where the king, I mean, I'm talking about naturally. Just think about this naturally. Even our presidents, right? The presidents of your, and your CEOs of your companies. Just think of them as kings, if you will, just for a minute. But the king, the presidents, the CEOs of the company, they're not the ones coming down to the workers, to the, the, the uh, housekeeping folks, to the, you know, the, pe- the people that's on the assembly lines. The king is not going to the to the servants or the uh, the folks who clean his house or his king. You know, he's not going to them specifically. There's a chain of command. There's a chain of command. So he's not coming down to talk to you. She is not coming down to talk to you. She's not going to that lower floor. She on the third floor. She she might go to the second floor. She might. Because that's where management is. But she's not coming down to the third floor. She's not, that's not what she's going to do. And so, but, but, we, but here we have the king himself. He's not sending it through anybody else. It is the king that's on the throne. And he is the one, on the Sermon on the Mount, and he is the one who is giving us the keys to the kingdom. This is how you can make it into 
the kingdom of heaven. So that's why it's important that we listen up and that we listen good. So he, he is saying in verse 8, for everyone, he says, for everyone that seeketh, that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. He says, for everyone, and I don't know about you, but in every language, everyone is everyone. It does not exclude anybody. Now, there is a contingency. The contingency is that you follow the guidelines that we've already talked about on how to receive, on how to find, on how the doors can be opened for you. And I said that they can be done, that can be done regularly. You don't, you don't have to have a prayer that is unanswered. You don't have to have a prayer that you're wondering if God is going to answer. If you would just follow his guideline, he says for everyone that asks. For everyone that seeketh, for everyone that knocks, he is going to answer you. He is going to answer. And this is the king that's talking. Listen, he's saying that for those that continue to pray, we've learned this in the ministry, right? That that, that ETH, I mean, yeah, that ETH, that means continuous. So asking is one thing, but asketh, so ask means I can, I ask once. Asketh means I, continuously I'm asking. Continuously I seek. Continuously I knock. That's a lifelong commitment. That's lifelong. Continue. That means until I die, I'm asking until I die, I'm seeking his face. I'm seeking him until I die, I'm knocking at his door. Because I want access to whatever it is that he has behind those doors. And we talked about that, what he has behind those doors. So those that continue to pray, those who continue to pray often, those who pray diligently and sincerely, when you're serious about the matter, those while persevering and enduring, while persevering and enduring, continuously, you continue to receive, you will continue to find, and you will continue to have the doors open for you. That is good news. As long as I'm asking, as long as I'm seeking, as long as, 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 long as I'm knocking, he will be there to answer every prayer. Every prayer. This is from the king. This is the king. This is your father talking. He's more than just king. This is your father. And listen, how, how great is that, that your king is the father? Speaking as a father, it's going to happen. Amen? So, so look at this in, 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 in verse 9. So we're going we're gonna to move forward from that. He says, Oh, what man is there of you whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Look, that's self-explanatory. But this is what he's doing. This is, Jesus then is now, he's further explaining here with a natural example, something that you can understand. Either you can understand it as a parent, 
Or you can understand it as a child. Because we all have parents. Right? So we can even glean from those experiences. From parenthood. So would you as a parent, he's saying here, would you as a parent give your child a stone if he asked for bread? He has a need. He has a need and he asks you or she asks you and you give him something to tease him rather than that which which will fulfill his need. If I ask you for bread and you give me a stone, you're teasing me. If I ask you for bread, that means I'm hungry. That means I need some nourishment. I need something. And you're going to give me a stone, that which I cannot consume? So you're going to tease me with something that even looks like, right, bread. We're talking about a piece of bread. We're talking about like a loaf. And, and, and these days they gave like, like loaves of bread, right? So if, if, you, if I ask you for a loaf of bread and you give me a stone, which is so bread, white, right? But you give me a stone that, that looks white, that is white, that looks round just like bread, you're teasing me. <laughs> you're teasing me. I cannot consume that. That is not going to help me with what I need. I am asking for nourishment. That stone will not help me. Would you as a parent give your child a serpent if he asks for a fish? Again, he has a need and he asks and you give him something that will sting or hurt him. I asked you for a fish, but you're going to give me something, a serpent that can sting or hurt me? So rather than meeting my need, you're going to cause me pain. Would you do that with your children? And if you do, that would be cruel, number one. And number two, that's considered child abuse and neglect. I'm asking you for something to eat and you're going to give me a stone. You're neglecting my basic need. Our basic needs are food, shelter, and clothing. That's the basic need. So you're going to neglect my basic need and give me something that I cannot use. Child abuse. You're going to give me something that's going to hurt me. I mean, you're going to literally put me in danger. Child neglect and child abuse. As parents, we do not do that. Our parents did not do that to us. So then it says, how much more then? How much more? Will your father, because everything belongs to him, how much more would your father give good things to them that ask him? How much more? So it is with God. The scripture has already prescribed the guidelines under which we will receive that which we ask. And listen, as long as your children isn't, as long as they're not asking for something that's going to harm them, You try your best to give it to them. As long as they're not asking for something that's going to go against your standard, then you're going to do what you can to get it to them. The same it is with God. Again, the scripture has already prescribed the guidelines under which we will receive that which we ask of God. He's already described, he's already prescribed the guidelines. The scripture also gives us assurance that he does provide as a father. And he provides exceedingly and abundantly. That's what the scripture says. He gives us exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. 
We think it's coming one way. We ask for something this way. And God says, but look, look at you. You, you have built up an account. You have built up an account. You have been obedient and you have obeyed. Listen, I am going to give you exceed even beyond what you ask for. Remember Solomon. Remember, remember I told you about Solomon. He said when he when it was his his opportunity when he to, to rule the, the people, he said what he he asked God for what he asked for wisdom. He asked God for wisdom. He wasn't trying to consume anything for himself. He said, listen, if I have to lead these people, I need your wisdom on how to do that. And after, and when, when he asked for that, he's like, God's like, oh, is that what you want? Is that all you want? Well, I'm going to bless you exceedingly and abundantly. Above what you've asked. Above what you thought. So God, and don't get caught up in, in, in the money and the riches and the things that, that, that Solomon had. Don't get caught up in that. Because that, that, I'm not saying that that's what God is giving. I said that God will give you exceedingly and abundantly above all that you will ask or think. He blesses abundantly. And I guarantee you, the blessings that he gives abundantly and above all that we can ask or think, it will go beyond any monetary, any any. Physical, any physical things that we could ever ask, he will give abundantly above all of that. God is that good. And he's that good to us. And the scripture tells us that, that, that it gives us the assurance that he answers prayers throughout the whole body. It gives us assurance that he answers prayers and his ears you got to go back and look and look for it see where God's ears are open look for that look for that where God's ears are open and he is open to hear the prayers of his children which we talked about that's one part of the guidelines that you got to be a child of the most high God and we're going to see we're going to hear some more about about what it means to be a child of the most high God then verse 12 it says, therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophet. So this verse echoes Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 17. And we're not going to go there. But Matthew 5 and 17, this is where Jesus is declaring that, that it is through him that the law and the prophets are fulfilled. Matthew chapter 5 verse, verse 17. Jesus is declaring that, that he, he said, I did not come to destroy the law. I did not come to destroy any of that. I have come to fulfill those things that you have already read. Those things that are in the law. I've already fulfilled those things. So when we have accepted him, when we've accepted Jesus... And the spirit lives on the inside of us, then we are able to live out his greatest command. And this is all that this is saying in verse 12. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would, you would that men should do to you, do even, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And what is that great, greatest commandment? Is that we love the Lord with all. And to love our neighbor. That is the greatest commandment. That's the greatest commandment. So, so here in, in, in Matthew 7 and 12, this is the revelation. So remember our pastor talked about that. She mentioned that, you know, the Old Testament, it, it, it is a, it's a part, it's a, um, 
it's one thing, it gives you like the letter, right? It gives you the letter of the law, but then you have the Old Testament where it's revealed, right? So shadows and types in the Old Testament, but then you have revelations. And then in some cases, it's rewording things, it's, it's making it more clearer, if you will. So, so here we see that it's the revelation and the fulfillment or the practice. It's the practice of the original law of Moses, which is found in Leviticus. Uh, in, in Leviticus. And, and this is what I want you to see. This is what it is. Because he said, he said to love thy neighbor. Love thy neighbor. Now, love can be abstract for some people. And what does abstract mean? Abstract simply means that it's not very clear. It's not very clear. Or it can be interpreted in a certain way depending on who's looking at it. And we know that to be, we, we definitely know that to be sure, to be true. That people see love differently. People see love differently. But it is the doing. So it's, you know, it's, and it's like, it's like the, like abstract art. Right? So when you think about abstract art, you see it's not very clear. And then, and then whoever's looking at it can say, oh, I see this. I said, somebody else can look at it and say, oh, I know, I see this, so I see that. And then, you have, and then you have the painter himself or the artist himself. He says, no, this is actually what I had in mind when I did this. It's abstract. It's not clear. Everybody has their own interpretation. But in doing, so here he says, whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. He is not, now he's giving us the practicality of the word. The practice is to do. That's the practice. It's no longer abstract. Your love now is no longer abstract. Because in the doing, you can clearly see love demonstrated. When we do for others, when we do, it is a clear demonstration of our love. Or it's a clear demonstration of what we don't love. It's made clear. You cannot see love unless it's demonstrated. You can't see it unless it's demonstrated. Someone tells you that they love you, they never talk to you, you never share any intimate moments you never talk. You never, I mean, you just, you just never, you, you bypass. I mean, you, you, they telling you that they love you, but until they start, you, you don't know, I don't know, I don't know that. You tell me that you love me, but you never spend time with me. You tell me that you love me. I say something to you and you ignore me as if I was never there. A demonstration of love means you have to do something. That's the only way somebody's going to know that you love them, is if you do something. It's the same thing with God. Out of your mouth you can say, and there's a lot of things out of our mouths we can say. We're going to get to some of that tonight too. Out of our mouths we can say a whole lot, but it's until we obey him that he knows that we love him. (laughs) It is only until we obey him. That he knows that we love him. Now he knows the heart of men. But even in that, if you, if it's in your heart and you love him, you are going to do something. And that doing 
Part of that doing is obeying. If you love him, you're going to obey. When we obey God, it is the practice or the demonstration of our love for him. Obedience has to be a practice. And that shows our love for God. That's plain and simple. Plain and simple. And it's going to be even clearer as we go. Now, that leads us into what we're about to talk about next. Is is straight Understanding the straight and the wide gates. I've been wanting to get to this forever. Understanding the straight and the wide gates. So verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate. And narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Oh, this is good. This is good. And, and again, part of this, again, tune, tune back in in October. I just peeked my hand. But tune back in October because we're going to get down to more of this and some of these other verses too. But listen to this. Listen. We see the American attitude. The American attitude. That thought process, the American attitude is the thought process of entitlement. Every other country, every other country will look at the U.S., will look at Americans, and they say, they think that they are entitled. They have everything. They think everything belongs to them. They think they run the world. Entitled. America the Great, with all its opportunities, with all of its opportunities, they have the I can have it my way attitude. Listen, this is not Burger King. You can't have it your way. Not when it comes to the kingdom. I know you might have to edit that, that Burger King piece. Well, oh, we're live. I forgot you can't even take that off. But anyway, that was not a plug for Burger King. But that, that's their motto. Have it your way. So, so the Americans have that I can have it my way attitude. They have the, the attitude and the mindset of do what makes you happy. Do what makes you happy. And I can have it my way. Those are two very dangerous things. Two very da- And that has crept into the church because we are Americans. And so now we, we allow that, that, uh, that American mindset and attitude. It has crept into the church. It's crept into the church. And it has desensitized the church to truth. Those attitudes and those mindsets, that American entitlement kind of mindset and attitude. It has desensitized the church to truth. It has overtaken the minds and the souls of some who profess to be believers of Christ. And even, they not only profess to be believers of Christ, but that same attitude has overtaken the minds and the souls of those who even profess to be workers for Christ. That same attitude, that entitlement. Listen, you cannot quote Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Let, let's just run there real quick. Just real quick. Because I want you to see this. I know we've, we've read that before, I understand. But, but I, want you to see, I want you to see something here. 
Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And the scripture, 10 and 9. And the scripture reads, that if thou shalt confess, and we've all, we've all heard it, we've all said it. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. And we kind of stop there. When you talk to people, oh, I've confessed the Lord. Oh, I, yes, I have, call, I, I have called on the name of the Lord. I have confessed. I have, I have told Christ that, you know, I, I have, I've done that. But that's not all it says. It says, and, and, you confess and, shall believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. So this is a twofold kind of thing. Twofold. You can't quote Romans 9, confess with thy mouth the Lord, without quoting believe in thine heart. You can't, you, you can't, you can do it, but it's not going to help you any. And you can't leave out verse 10. Look at verse 10. For with the heart man believeth continuously unto righteousness. He believes uh, for, from the heart. He says, go back to verse 9, the, the second part. And shall believe in thine heart. So he's talking about the heart now. But now he, in, in chapter, uh, verse 10, he's giving us a deeper explanation. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. That is important. Because believeth is continuous. It's a continuous action. Remember that ETH. It's a continuous action. And unto, listen, that, that word, that, that, that four-letter word, unto, U-N-T-O, that has a lot in it, it, particularly in this verse. Unto means that it is the completeness or the end result. Unto. It's the completeness or the end result. So then righteousness is the completeness or the end result of our believing. For with the heart, verse 10, for with the heart man believeth continuously unto, meaning it's the completeness or the end result of our believing is righteousness. That's plain and that's simple. Plain and simple. So what does that mean? Righteousness it's twofold. Righteousness is, number one, it's being made or declared right with God. So if I believe in my heart and I continue to believe, if I continue to believe, I am made, I have been made right, I have been declared right, I stay right with God through Christ Jesus. I stay right. I receive salvation. And it is the doing or the practicing what is right based on the standard of the one who, who is righteous. That's the second part of it. Okay? So righteousness. It says, it says that we believe it unto righteousness. <coughs> my completeness, my completeness and, and the end result of my believing is number one, I said, that, that uh, righteousness has been placed on my account. I've been declared. I've been made right. But the second part of that is in my doing. My doing what is right. My doing righteousness. My doing what is right 
based on the standard of the one who is righteous. That's the end result of my believing. I receive salvation. That's the end result. A, number one, that's, that's the end result, number one. But number two, the end result is that I do righteous. I do what's right based on the standard of God. That's my sanctification and my holiness. I receive salvation and then I have to work towards sanctification and holiness. That's all unto the completeness and the end result of my believing. I hope you got that. I hope that's clear. Listen, because you confess with your mouth does not entitle you to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because you grew up with parents or grandparents taking you to church, that does not entitle you to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because you go to church on a regular basis, because you listen to the word on a regular basis, does not entitle you to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because you have a position in the local church, you volunteer in your local ministry, that does not entitle you to enter into the kingdom of heaven. None of those things. And I just ran it down to you, like my grandmother would say, from the rooter to the tutor. I just ran it all down from you. From when you confess all the way down to you being in the church and even working in the church. None of that, none of that will entitle you to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Listen, because you have a title of pastor, of minister of deacon, of usher. Because you have a title, teacher, because you have a title, it does not entitle you to enter the kingdom of heaven. And it does not make you automatically eligible to enter in. It does not. This mindset was the same. This mindset of entitlement was the same one that the Jews had at the time. Of, and go back to Matthew chapter 7. It was the same one that the Jews had uh, while, while Jesus was teaching on the mount. The same type of attitude. The same type of mindset is what they had. Why? Because they thought because they were descendants of Abraham. That was going to entitle them to enter into the kingdom. They thought observing religious uh, rituals, they thought that was going to be enough for them to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But remember what Matthew chapter 5 verse 20 says. It says, except, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Listen, something has to take place. All the rituals that you do, all the preaching, all the teaching, all the ushering, all, all of that, all the tithing. And, and remember, I, I, pastor, I pastor stepped on this on, 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 on uh, Sunday too. 
All of those things, going to church, coming to church, hearing the word, none of those things will matter if there is not something that happens in your heart. It says what here? It says believe. It says believe in your heart. Something has to happen in the heart. There has to be a change in the heart. Something has to take place. A change in devotion has to happen in the heart. A change of devotion. A change of, uh, in affection. What you set your affections on, that has to change in the heart. We're talking about exceeding the righteousness. Because all of that doing, all of those rituals that you do, all of the coming to church, all of, the, all of those things, those are just that. If there's not a change in the heart, all of that is for naught. There has to be a change in your desires. There has to be a change in your thirst and your hunger. There has to be a change. The things you thirst for, the things you hunger for, those things that you desire, all of those, there has to be a change in your heart. Or else you won't be able to fulfill any of that. You won't be able to fulfill the commandments of God. You won't be able to do. Just like the scripture, you won't be able to do. And guess what? You will not be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven if there's not a change in the heart. That's plain and simple. And I hope I've showed you enough to, to, to show you. But if not, I got one more scripture. One more scripture for you. Uh, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 23. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 23. And I get it. I understand. Yeah, this is old, but we just saw it in the new. But, but let me just show you. I just want you to see that God is the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and he's going to be the same tomorrow. So even if you think about, it, okay, well, I'll get it right today and I'm just going to go back to doing what I'm doing t- tomorrow. He's the same. He's not changing. De- Deuteronomy chapter 23. Let's look at verse 2. 23 and 2. And the scripture reads, A bastard shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Even to his tenth generation shall he not enter into the congregation of the Lord. A bastard. What does that mean? What does that mean, a bastard? It means being mixed. It means having a mixed population. In their days, a bastard means you could have uh, maybe a Jewish father and a heathen mother, or vice versa, a Jewish mother and a heathen father. You were mixed, called mixed population, a mixed population. And then he says, what? One of a mixed population shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. What is that congregation? Congregation is the assembly. It's the body. It's the organized body of Christ. He says, and so the scripture is saying that you cannot be mixed. You cannot be of a mixed habitation. I'm talking about you as a person. You. You're being. You cannot be of a mixed habitation. Meaning what? Of a mixed house. Your body is a temple. You can't have a mixed temple. You can't be a sinner and a saint. They can't dwell together. You can't be a child of disobedience and a child of obedience at the same time. 
That's having a mixed population. That's having a mixed habitation. That's having a mixed temple. That's having a mixed house. And a house divided will not stand. <laughs> when you find yourself, when you find yourself in those cycles of life, a house divided cannot stand. A house divided cannot endure. So when you have those in your in your in your own house, in, in, in your earthly vessel, when you can't stand strong, it's because there's something going on. There's some division going on. There's some division going on. In one way or another, there's some division going on. You have a divided a mind. Well, you, a, a double mind. Remember, a double minded man, he, he won't receive anything from the Lord. That's why you can't find strength, because you're double minded. A house divided. Your own house is divided. Your own habitation is divided. Your temple is mixed. And to God, that's unclean. And God cannot dwell in an unclean temple. That's why you have trouble with that connection. Remember, connect this with on Sunday, what we heard on Sunday. That's why you have a, a, a disconnect. That's why you're having a connect because you're trying to mix in some way. You're trying to mix habitations. When God needs all of your heart. First John chapter 3. Our pastor went to this scripture too. First John chapter 3. Let's look at this really quick. First John 3. Let's look at verse, starting with verse 7. It says, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. <laughs> you can't get any simpler and plainer than that. Even as he, he who, Christ is righteous. When we're in him and we abide in him, he that doeth righteousness is righteous. When you're in him, he that doeth righteousness is righteous. He that, verse 8, he that committeth sin, practice sin, children of disobedience, when you're practicing sin, is of the devil. I just said that. You're of the devil. I didn't say it. The scripture says it. When you are practicing sin, you are of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was made, was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Verse 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. In this, verse 10, in this the children of God are manifest. And the children of the devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness, is not of God. That's plain. That is plain. And that is simple. Listen, listen. I know. I know. It becomes difficult. And we don't know, and we don't know what to say. Part of it is that we don't know what to say. But when we have loved ones and we, we have loved ones who, who pass on and their lives show. We just said obedience is a demonstration of love. We just said that. We just said that confessing 
cannot be done and be effective without believing in the heart. And we just said that believing in the heart means there is a change in desire. There's a change in our thirst, in our, our, our hunger. There is a change in the heart that takes place. So there's no way that even if, and I just said, even if they were raised going to church, they were raised by their parents, grandparents taking them to church. At one point they confessed the Lord. Listen, being baptized, they were baptized at a young age. None of that matters if they don't believe in the heart. I know, and I know, I know, I know. That's hard. That is so hard. It's especially when you don't know what to say. And it's okay. It's okay. Because it is what it is. You saying it is not going to change it. You saying that they've gone on to their reward. You saying that they're in a better place. You saying those things doesn't make it so. And it does not change. Their fate is sealed. They are where they are. I know it's hard. But listen. Listen. And again, this is going to be even more clearer. Matthew chapter 7. Let's go back there to Matthew chapter 7. Enter ye in the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way, that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and a few, and few, there be that find it. No one can broaden the way to salvation. It's narrow. You can't broaden it. You can't make it be something that it's not. You can't take anything through it that God has not ordained for you to take through. Straight, it is a straight way. There's no crookedness. There's no perverseness. You can't be stubborn. You can't be, you can't deliberately be unruly. You can't resist guidance and discipline. That's the, that's the, that's the broad way. Undisciplined people, unruliness, that's the broad way. We see it. We see it. We see it. You can't have heaven your way. You can't make it to heaven your way. You can't obtain heaven your way. You cannot enter in the kingdom your way. God has already prescribed how you're going to enter in the kingdom of heaven. Luke says it a little stronger. I'm not, uh, Luke 13, verse 24. Luke 13, verse 24. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. 
strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. That's the word. That's the word of God. It's right here. It's written. I'm not making it up. Strive. It means to agonize. Strive. This word strive. It means to agonize. Agonizing is to suffer or to strive or to struggle. Listen, you must contend with the difficulties and the dangers, the difficulties and the dangers that are in opposition or hostility toward the gospel or against the truth. There are difficulties and there are dangers that contend with, that are in opposition with, that are in hostility towards the gospel or against truth. Those things you have to strive with. You have to, you struggle with. That means what? You must endeavor to try to put forth great effort with great zeal to enter in because there will be opposition. There's going to be opposition. Listen, you're going to have opposition and the, the great effort, your endeavor is number one, to remain Focused. That is the challenge. Remember your, your past teachings. That is the focus. To remain focused. That is a challenge. That is an opposition to the truth. That is an opposition to the gospel. Remaining focused on the word of God. That challenge. If you cannot meet that challenge, that's an opposition. That's an opposition. The challenge, you must stay focused on the truth. Stay focused on purpose. Stay focused on purpose. Number two, we're talking about, we're talking about the, the great effort. We're talking about that endeavor. It says we have to endeavor. Two, you have to be diligent in praying, seeking, and knocking seriously and sincerely. We're talking about effort. I'm putting forth the effort. I'm endeavoring. I am endeavoring, just like you said in, 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 in verse 24, strive to enter. I'm endeavoring. I'm striving to enter in at the straight gate. I'm striving because there will be opposition. So I have to strive because there will be. I have to put forth great effort because there will be opposition. The enemy is not trying to let you into heaven. He's not, he is not trying to make it easy for you to enter. Listen, he got his own, he got his own little kingdom. And he's trying to get as many folks in his party as he can. Who wants to have an empty party? You got a party going on and nobody there. He is trying his best to fill up his party. Number three. You must be committed to and continue in the way of Christ and continue in being truth. Being truth. Not just hearing. We talked about hearing. You have to be diligent in praying. You have to be diligent in seeking. You have to be diligent in hearing. That was number two. Be diligent in hearing truth. So you must be present. I forgot to say that. You must be present. If you're going to be diligent in hearing truth, you have to be present and you have to be attentive with the intent to receive, obey, and conform completely 
and 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 your diligence in hearing you purposing to be present and attentive your intention and your uh, your intention and your your plan your diligence in uh, receiving the word obeying the word and conforming the word that that's going to lead to your commitment which is number 3 to be committed and to continue in the way of Christ and to continue in being truth. Once you've heard the word, you've received the word, you've conformed, you obey and you conform to the word. Now I'm being the truth. And you have to have a commitment to being the truth. Continuously. And four, you have to surround yourself with like-minded believers. That's my effort. That's my endeavor. To enter in at the straight gate. That's my endeavor to enter in. What is the opposition you'll face? Number one, the opposition that you'll face is your flesh. That's always number one. Your flesh is your first opposition. Your flesh is is opposition to what the gospel or the truth states about you. The scripture states... That when you accept Christ, that you are a new creature. But your flesh is in opposition to that. Because it wants to continue to do the same things that it had been doing. It wants to relive. It wants to re-excite. It wants to regain. It wants to do all of that. But that is contrary. That's in opposition to truth. Which states that you are a new creature when you've accepted Christ. Christ comes to live in you. You are a new creature. That's just one example. Opposition number two. So your flesh is number one. Number two is the worldly mentality. A worldly mentality is an opposition to truth. Worldly mentality. The things that the world and the way that the world does things. That's an opposition to truth. It's in opposition to it. And number three, the enemy. Never forget you have an adversary. The enemy, your adversary, is in opposition. How is the enemy in in opposition? A. A. He makes things appear to be all right. (laughs) Deceiving and cunning you. He makes things to seem like it's all right to do. Well, you know what? If you, you know, as long as you go in the church, as long as you go in the church, you still got your, you know, you still got your relationship. You still got your fellowship with God. You go in the church, that is your fellowship with God. So we can do, you know, we can do. It's okay. We can do this Monday through Saturday. But on Sunday, on Sunday, go to church. Have your fellowship with God. That's what he will deceive you into thinking. Con you into thinking. B, he sends children of darkness posing as children of light. Which leads us to verse 15. Matthew 7 and 15. Beware of false pride. I said what? I said the enemy, we're we're endeavoring to enter into the straight gate, right? But I said that the enemy is an adversary in opposition. A, he's going to make things appear to be all right when they're not. 
and B, he's going to send children of darkness posing as children of light to deceive you. Verse 15, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Beware. That denotes that you must pay attention. Remember, we talked about judging in, in 7 and 1. But, but no, this, this, is, this is what God is, is telling us. That we need to judge what's right and what's wrong. We need to examine. Beware. It denotes that you must pay attention to something or someone. Pay attention. I didn't say judge. I said pay attention. Attend to yourself. Be cautious. That's what beware means. Tend to yourself. Look out for yourself. There are times when you, can, you should be looking out for yourself. What you hear, what you put in your arsenal, what you allow into your heart, what you allow into your ears, what you allow your, your eyes to see. You have to be cautious about, that's attending to yourself. Be cautious about those things. You have to guard yourself from false prophets. Again, that's what our pastor had been teaching. We're talking about truth with that whole little short little mini series that she did. It's all about truth. You cannot don't let anybody deceive you into thinking a certain way that's against the truth of the word of God. See, this is how we can have whole churches. This is how we can have pastors living alternative lifestyles. And then they create a whole church in support. False teachers, children of darkness, they're dark. Their minds have been darkened. Their hearts have been darkened. Children of darkness posing as children of light. They come saying, I'm doing this in Jesus' name. They come saying, this church is of God. God is with me. They come dressed like sheep, children of light. They come dressed like sheep. An outward appearance of a believer. An outward appearance. Things they say, things they do, all in the name of Christ. It's an outward appearance of living for God, but have, having a form of godliness. A form of godliness, but their hearts reveal. The heart is something that you cannot see. The heart is something that you cannot see. But what they do, it reveals what's in their heart. They're only acting the part of a divinely inspired prophet. They're acting the part of a divinely inspired prophet who speaks false doctrine. They speak false doctrine under the name of divine prophecies. Fifteen, beware of false prophets. They are acting as part, they, they, their acting is part of a divinely inspired prophet. That's what they're acting as. 
who speaks false doctrine under the name of divine prophecies. They are ravenous. Ravenous means they are devouring. Devouring means that they are seeking whom they may devour. Ravenous. They're devourers. They're seeking whom they may devour. Just as their father the devil. Where you been? Going to and fro. Seeking whom I may devour. And they are the children of their father. Wolves. Cruel. Greedy. Destructive. Remember, out of time. Remember Little Red Riding Hood and the wolf. Remember the three little pigs and the wolf. Children's rhymes, right? Those wolves. All they were doing was what? Seeking who they could devour. Beware of false prophets. Beware of false prophets. And that's why we always say that you're in a good, here you are in a good place. But remember what our pastor even said. Just because we say you're in a good place, beware. Attend to yourself. Read the scripture. Follow. See if we're right. Why? Because the scripture says what? Beware. He said that there will be those who are coming, who pose as children of light. And we know what we are. We know what we are. We know that we are children of righteousness. But how do you know? This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.